Good morning. Is everybody awake? Right? You got your, your third cup of coffee, maybe. We have an awesome coffee bar here in uh, the, the church building. And if you're at home, you're probably on your third pot. That's okay, too. So, um, so we are in our third week of our fall series that we've called Open Table. And over the last couple weeks and throughout this series, uh, we've been going through the Gospel of Luke, which is one of the four accounts of the life and ministry of Jesus that we have in the Scriptures. And, and so we've been going through the Gospel of Luke, so if you're just jumping in at this point, no worries, you can jump right in and understand uh, what's taking place. And so we've been looking through stories in the Gospel of Luke about Jesus going to tables, about how the Gospel of Luke is really a story about how Jesus is either leaving a table, at a table, or going to a table, you know, and some of those tables are literal, literal four-legged tables, you will, if you will, uh, but some are not. Some are a more figurative table, per se. So Jesus liked to eat and to drink with lots and lots of people. Um, but today we're going to visit a story that goes along the figurative, the figurative table line, one that um, does not have a physical table, but still has that idea of a table and sharing together. I want to start off with a question, as I have been during this series, um, and that question kind of frames where we're headed today, so you can track with me. Also, you can follow along in your sermon notes that are in your worship guide, or also print online. You can visit our website if you're worshiping online and check that out, too. Scripture's there, lots and lots of pieces. Um, have feelings of inadequacy ever prevented you from being obedient to God? Maybe you're like, I've never thought about that before, like... So that's good. That's a good place. Have feelings of inadequacy ever prevented you from being obedient to God? Well, the story we're going to look at today is one that many of you probably have heard before, maybe multiple times, and it's one of my favorites in Scripture. And so Luke, it takes place in Luke chapter 9, verses 10 through 17, and Luke tells us this. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send away the crowd so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we're in a remote place here. He replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, We have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd, about 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The word of God for the people of God. You can all say, thanks be to God. Amen. So not enough, in little quotation marks here, not enough. Have those words ever, ever crossed your mind in any situation? And I have to share this. One of like my non-gifts, or here at Table Life Church, we examine our strengths. One of my non-strengths um, is this idea of cooking for large numbers of people. 
Um, I'm not one of the people that actually enjoys cooking. Um, cooking for myself or even those that I love, but let alone large numbers of people. That's just not really my thing. And maybe you're like me, because if ever you're put in that position, it keeps you up for like weeks. Like just thinking about it. Like how, how am I going to have enough to feed all these people? Do, do I know like calculations and everything? Well, a few years back, I was organizing an event, a church event called Breakfast with Santa. And, um, and this was like a community event. It was open up to everybody that wants to, wanted to join from the community. And we hosted it at the church I was serving at the time. And um, though we had an online sign-up, we never knew how many people were going to join us for this event. So a couple days before it, um, I had the routine of, uh, I guess it was just a couple years there. But um, a friend of mine named Elizabeth, we would hop into her van and we would travel the route to Sam's Club. And we would load up two, not one, but two of those giant carts with all the food that we think that we would need to have enough for the people that we didn't know were coming. And um, like we, we had to like fill up her vehicle as well as mine. My little Corolla was stacked to the roof. You know, probably people thought I would st- was stealing something when I was driving down the road. And um, I have to say this, the good thing about pancake mix is that it multiplies. If you've ever cooked, pancakes are like the best thing. And after we filled up our carts, brought things back to the church, and then had this event, um, we wound up feeding 250 people at this thing. And it was just crazy. But somehow, somehow, because of the miracle of the pancake mix, we had enough. So my nightmares went away. But, but do I have enough? Has that question ever crossed your mind or a variation of it. And maybe it hasn't really pertained to food. Uh, Maybe it pertains to something else. That's who I want to speak to today. Someone who thinks that you feel like you are not enough. You feel like you don't have enough. Maybe somebody told you that you will never be enough. You'll never be smart enough. You'll never be funny enough. You'll never be good looking enough. But also the question pertaining to when it comes to being used by God, to serving God, to to having some kind of purpose that's beyond just either going to school or working a job or raising a family, but some kind of purpose that's greater than that. To think, I'm not good enough. I I can't be used by God. I, I can't do what maybe he's calling me to do. And maybe that comes in the term of hosting or leading others. Just say, I I could never do that. That's somebody else's thing. And and so in a sense, the driving point of this passage that we just read is what to do when there's not enough, when we don't feel like we have enough. And and I love this author, um, Brene Brown. Any Brene fans in the house? Yeah, Brene Brown. If you aren't, like, just check out some of her stuff. Really, really great stuff. She says this. She says, the mantra of our day is never enough. We live in a day of never enough. Isn't that true, right? It's just this ongoing sense of of inadequacy. And and many times it leads us to strive to be something that we're not. Maybe something that others have have thought we should be, something that we think would be better if we were. Um, And this even translates over even to the chip world. I don't know if you've seen these before. What's with that? What's with with Lay's chips that are trying to be like Doritos? It 
Like, why? You know, it's trying to be something you're thinking, okay, everybody likes a Dorito, so maybe I just stop being a chip. But, but that happens to us too, right? We laugh, at that, but it's the same thing. Or, or we're, we, we become resigned and just give up and say, oh, I'll never be enough, I'll never do enough. It just won't fit in that category. But it's in that not enough feeling that we actually discover Jesus. We actually discover Jesus. So the context of this story here, what's really cool is that aside from the resurrection, the only miracle story that's included in all four accounts of the Gospels, the life and ministry of Jesus, is this story of, that's called the feeding of the 5,000. And just a side note, we have a little special feeding of the 5,000. I don't know if you notice on our communion table right here, we have loaves and fishes. We have gold fishes and we have pumpkin loaves because that's very appropriate. So each week you can kind of glimpse at the table and kind of see where we're headed. But, but it's a story of the feeding of the 5,000 that is in all four of the Gospels. And it's important to set the stage here for what's going on. And I think every parent or toddler can relate to a time. Think about this. Remember back, back when, or maybe even right now. Think back to a time when you got five minutes for a shower and you, all of a sudden you heard somebody banging on the door what did they yell? Mommy, daddy, right? You got like five minutes in the bathroom and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, finally I have this time and it like was never ending. It's this, this ongoing thing. And that's basically the situation for Jesus. So, so, so parents, you know, the, those that we just baptized and dedicated, you're like, I have been there before, I'm there right now, right? And that's where Jesus was. Jesus like couldn't get away from people. People just like after him all the time. And so get this, he's getting on a boat. He's getting on a boat, like kind of like a cruise for a weekend getaway in Bethsaida. And here come what? People, they're coming. That's what the scripture says. They're coming, all these crowds of people, they're coming. You have to realize this. Our greatest opportunities will come at the most inconvenient times. Isn't that true? Our greatest opportunities come at the most inconvenient times. We don't like to be inconvenienced, especially, especially when we're tired, when you're just done, right? Or what I call hangry. Some of you all know what I mean, like you're hungry, but you're also like angry. You don't have anything in your belly, right? But so, and that's when so very inconveniently, God puts someone in your life who is hungry, who's hungry. I'm not saying like, Maybe physically hungry. We have many people in our community that, that, that have um, real hungers, you know, and we take part in helping with New Hope Ministries here and, and serving. We also have a food pantry, a little food pantry out on this side. But there's also other ways of being hungry. Somebody who's hungry for a friendship or relationships. Maybe hungry for guidance. They're just feeling lost. Somebody who's just hungry for a listening ear or maybe hungry for God for something more in life. They've realized, they've been almost awakened to say, is there more to this than what I see? But what do we want most of the time when that opportunity comes? To get away? We want to get away, get in that cruise boat, like, see ya, guys, like, I can't do this. Our greatest opportunities often come at the most inconvenient times. But then we see in the story what happens. Jesus, Jesus is not always rational. Because Jesus, what does he do? He continues to teach people all day long. 
He says, yes. And the disciples, I imagine, they're like standing there like, what, you gotta be kidding me? Like, we just had like weeks of this and we're getting a little weekend getaway. Like, we paid for the boat, we paid for our stay and all this. And like, you can't get away from ministering to people. What's with it? But they let him do it. But finally, it's late in the afternoon when the disciples go to Jesus and say, hey man, probably people should eat right now. And I think what they were really saying was, hey, now we need to eat. We need to eat. And how do we know this? Well, Luke says the disciples came to Jesus with a suggestion. And what did they say? They said, send the crowd away. Send them away so they can go to the villages and the countryside. And it makes total sense because the setting of this was basically a place, and you've been there before, when the sign says on the side of the road that next rest stop is 50 miles away. That's kind of the, where they're located. But we also have to realize this, is that they didn't have to feed them. They didn't have to feed them. Lunch was not advertised as included in coming to Jesus. Nobody asked. Nobody came and asked for lunch, for dinner. But we can also assume from the story that the people were not prepared either. That because it was such a remote location, it took them a while to get there. And so a little background here on bread. I don't know if you know the significance of bread 2,000 years ago. It was a lot more than our, our uh, sliced bread that we have now. Because in the Hebrew, in the Hebrew that they would be speaking at the time, Hebrew to eat bread and to have a meal was actually the same thing. It was actually to say the same thing. To eat bread and to have a meal was basically speaking the same words. Bread was treated with great respect and there were so many rules that were put into place to, to preserve that reverence. Anybody that had crumbs, like you were eating and then all of a sudden had little crumbs there, any crumbs that were said to be the size of an olive were expected to be gathered and never discarded. Nobody threw out things to the birds or put things in the trash. What's also interesting is that bread was never to be cut, only broken. So we say, you know, the greatest thing since what? Sliced bread, like they didn't care. They're like, what? We don't really care about that. It was only meant to be broken. It was a sense of this, this kind of human thing of taking a loaf and splitting it into multiple pieces. And the poor, the poor ate barley bread while the rich ate, ate wheat bread. And everybody made their bread at home. They made their bread at home because they knew that it was only gonna last a couple of days. It was only gonna last about one to two days before it would begin to get moldy. Didn't have all the ingredients that would, you would read on the back of the bread wrapper. So it would become moldy so soon, so they only would bake enough for every one to two days. You would make fresh bread all the time. So most likely, most likely this crowd here, they're poor people who hadn't been home in more than two days because nobody had bread, or very few had bread. And the disciples, their response is to send them away. See, it's funny, often what we need to do the most is what we resist the most. Remember, the disciples, they had followed Jesus because they wanted to make a difference. He called them out of their workplaces, their jobs, their families, because he, he saw something in them and they began to see something else in themselves. And here comes a chance to make a difference in people and they do this. That our temptation will always be to send away the very thing that we pray for. They're missing the opportunity to host a table. 
to host a table among hungry people. But that's when Jesus pushes. He doesn't budge. He doesn't just give up and say, okay, go ahead, send them away. He pushes it a step further. He doesn't get them off the hook, but what does he say? Clever words. He says, you, you give them something to eat. So you have to ask the question, well, what is he doing, right? He knows there's not enough here. He knows. Well, I think it goes back to this idea of three tables, three tables that we've been looking at in this series. So just a quick summary. These three tables where Jesus shows up in the scriptures, where he shows up in our lives, and also where we are called to show up. Because those are places of his presence. Those are places that can be holy. The, the place where we are the recipients, where this is kind of like the communion table. The place where we come to receive those who have placed our faith in Christ. Like we gather together. It's this kind of the holy huddle piece. But then there's that other table of, of where we're hosts. And mainly in our homes. That you know that your dinner table, your, your table in your home, your picnic table out back. That can be a holy place just as much a place where God's presence is real. And then that other place, the place that we're the guests, where many would say it's the secular tables, you know, those in, in our communities, those that you would, most many people would say, well, they're not holy, right? But those are the very places where Jesus' presence shows up, but it's a matter of naming it and calling it. And we're called to be in all three and serve in these roles. As a, it's important to be a recipient. It's important to be a host but it's also important to be a guest. But what's interesting here is that Jesus is pushing the disciples at this point from being recipients to being hosts. He's calling them to become hosts. From being the ones who are fed to being the ones who are feeding. Is that you? Is that you, you know, maybe this idea of being fed, maybe we say that in church sometimes, I want to go someplace and I'm going to be fed, or I listen to this preacher and he really feeds my soul. But, but this idea of worshiping, attending, being fed, uh, but sometimes, most of the time, we're called not to stay there, but to move on from there. Maybe you've been there a while, and there's a time and a place to be recipients. Next week, we're going to talk about that piece of it. But there's also a time to grow and to step into the calling of being a host. How? Well, it's stepping into ministry. And it might be here serving in a capacity in the church, but it also might be hosting. Hosting others. Showing up in others' lives. Being open to be that, the person who listens, the person who loves and serves. Jesus has called the disciples to be hosts, but what do they do at that invitation? They decline it. They decline it. Why? Well, it makes sense. They don't have enough. They don't have enough. They're not enough. Luke doesn't share the source of the five loaves and two fishes. He only mentions that they're there. The other gospels tell us it comes from a boy, a young boy. And you imagine that probably by now, get this, remember they had been, in, the crowds had probably been out of the house for about two days. They probably, he probably brought them moldy bread. <laughs> You know, this is not like fresh baked stuff like right out of the oven, guys. Like this was probably like moldy bread. So the disciples probably took it and it was like, you know, the, we have five loaves and two fish. They probably said it more like five loaves and like the two fish. Like it's stinking over here. Like nobody's going to eat this stuff. And, and, and so the same thing often happens to us. 
that, that often we are comfortable remaining a recipient, that, that we, things cross our mind to say, well, I'm just, I'm, I'm not good enough. Like, even as a Christian, I'm not a good enough Christian. I, I don't have enough time. I don't know the Bible well enough. Like, I haven't read things. I haven't been in church very long. I, I, I'm a quiet person. You know, I'm an introvert. You know, the extroverts scare me. Like, I'd rather be by myself. Like, the COVID lockdown was like heaven, right? And you're like, like, I can't expand God's kingdom. I'm like, I can't do that. To which we realize we don't have enough, that we aren't enough. To which Jesus, I think the reason why Jesus asked that question was because that's the point. That's the point, that we too are like the little children we offered to God and celebrated today, that we cannot do it on our own. See, Jesus isn't about amplifying your weaknesses. He's not about pointing out the thousands of reasons you can't do it and that you aren't enough, why it won't work, why you can't expand the kingdom because you don't know enough and you aren't, aren't enough and you don't have a nice place enough. Jesus wanted to see if the disciples knew where to go first. And what does he do? He tells them, sit down, sit down. He tells the people to be arranged in these groups, and he starts with what they offer. And I think in this part of the story, he's teaching us three things. And the first is to offer what we have. Offer what you have. Jesus is testing them as he's calling them to something higher. He's saying, I don't want you to just remain recipients here. I want you to step into this, this idea of being hosts, even if you, you don't feel like you have enough here. And I think there's, there might be a couple of folks here. Maybe you just needed to hear that today. Offer what you have. What do you have? You feel like you don't have enough so compared to this person, you don't have enough. Like, offer what, what is it that you do have? What is it? Do, do, maybe, maybe you have a car. Maybe you have a, a gift. Maybe you, you play music. Maybe you have a great ear. Maybe you're that introvert who is not going to talk all off somebody else's ear, and you can be that listener. Maybe, maybe there's, there's someone in your life that, that you know needs help, and you have a way or a resource or a gift or a talent or a way to fix things or a way to cook that you can begin to minister to. Say, God, I offer to you what I have. See, he's calling them to be hosts of tables, and by doing so, to multiply what he's doing. See, Jesus Jesus, as the Son of God, he probably could have remained on the earth for thousands of years if, you know, God had wanted Jesus to do that, but he didn't. Why? Because he wanted to multiply his work through us. That's the point. He wanted to multiply what he is doing to feed the hungry. There might be a physical hunger that you can help meet. What do you have? Because we always have more than we think we do. That we offer what we have, but then we also give what we receive. Give what you have received. See, they're standing, they don't realize, they're standing right now in front of the bread, the bread of life, as he's come to be known. Jesus, the bread of life. Jesus is saying, depend on me, trust me. Let me be the first source that you go to, not the last. You know, isn't it funny, like often prayer, like it's like the last thing that we do and everything else didn't work. He's saying, go to me first. Let me be your source. We're in this like holy partnership together with God. It's an amazing thing to say, hey, I'm going to give what I've received. See, the disciples are the ones when Jesus somehow multiplies these loaves and fishes, what do they do? He gives it to the disciples to distribute. He gives it to them to receive it, but then to distribute it. And we think about, well, what have we received from God? What have we received from Christ? 
Have you received maybe a, a, a welcome in a way that nobody else in the world has, has done for you? Do you want others to experience that? Maybe someone gave you a second chance who had no other reason to do so. You know, will you do that? Offer grace. You've received grace from God, from Christ. Maybe it's time that you just need to offer a little bit more grace than you're giving. Maybe you've experienced love and welcome here as part of a church community or even in a group. I remember a small group I was a part of. Uh, it was a new group. It was um, lots of like young couples and singles. And then there were a couple of old people. I, call, I, I hate like saying that because everybody like cringes, right? Like old, the old people, like they were like 50, right? We call them old because everybody's like in their 20s. So it's like they're like double our age, right? And um and so there are like these two 50-year-olds that, um, interesting story, they got accidentally invited to the group. Um, basically, they were supposed, somebody, the leader was supposed to invite this guy named Larry, and they went to the wrong Larry. I mean, they wound up inviting both Larrys, but they went to the 50-year-old Larry, and Larry's like, sure, I'll show up. And I have to say, like, it was amazing, because these were like spiritual parents in the midst of these 20-somethings that are like trying to figure out life. And, and it was beautiful, but that group became like so close and like so together that I remember at one point in our conversation, uh, we we're talking about like growing or expanding the group and somebody like really legitimately commented to say, why would we want the group to grow? I found everything I need. I found everything I need here. And everybody just sat there for a second and said, yeah, that's true, but... What if you hadn't, somebody hadn't reached out to you to invite you to be here? You know, what if there's somebody else out there that needs this? Wouldn't you want to do that for somebody else? You know, to give what we have received. And if we're just receiving all the time, you know what happens? Just like if we're just eating all the time, you get bloated. <laughs> there's spiritual bloating too. You know, you get bored, I'm bored with church, I'm bored with God. Like, you know, uh, you just kind of become full more of yourself. It just becomes less meaningful. But by giving, what does Luke tell us in verse 17? He says, they all ate and were satisfied. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Leftovers. Imagine that. Five loaves, two fish, leftovers. Do you like Leftovers. Can I get an amen? Leftovers, yes. And there's some people that are like, oh, I don't do leftovers. But the doggy bag, you know what's so good is leftovers? Like pizza, right? Pizza, best like leftover. Pasta salad, pasta salad, good leftover. It actually marinates in itself like that extra day and all. So they had leftovers. And it's interesting that like Luke points that out here, right? If you were making this stuff up, like I don't think he would have pointed out like there's like 12 baskets full. And the basket, well, the word he uses is interesting. It's the same word that's used in the book of Acts for the basket that they lower the apostle Paul down in a basket. So this is like a huge basket. It's like a 150-pound man or 180-pound man type basket. 12 baskets. They gathered 12. Why? I think because let nothing be wasted. Don't waste anything. Let nothing be wasted. And I think he's speaking that same thing over our lives. Did you know that? God is not going to let it be wasted. God's not going to waste a season. He's not going to waste a second. He's not going to waste a painful memory or a broken heart. He's not going to waste a chapter of confusion. He's not going to waste something that didn't turn out the way that you had hoped. See, in fact, it's amazing. God wants to use it to reach other hungry people. 
People who are hungry spiritually, relationally, for meaning, for purpose, for acceptance, for friendship, for love. That we become awakened that there is more. To help them see that they are enough just as we have found that we are enough because of not what the world says, because what Jesus says. And I love that story. I love this story because I think we can all connect with it in different ways. And for you, you might be in a test right now. And it's not a do you know enough or have enough or are you good enough test. But it might be a test of do you know your source? Do you know where to get it from? So maybe if you are feeling inadequate, you're actually in the perfect place. Because Jesus, Jesus always makes it more than enough. Jesus always makes it more than enough. And he tells you, you are enough. You are enough. And maybe, maybe you've never heard those words before. And I wish I could just say every single person's name in here. But to say, you are enough. If you keep coming back to where you got it from the first time, back to Jesus, if you know where to go, it will always be enough and it will never run out. That we partner with him. And that's the beauty of, of relationship with Christ. We find our identity there, we get to be a part of it, and we get to see what he wants to do with it. He's growing us, he's shaping us as a people, his people, the body of Christ. So let me ask you one last time, question we started out with. Is a feeling of inadequacy preventing you from being obedient to God? If so, will you offer what you have? Will you give what you have received Will you let nothing be wasted? And will you, today and every day, meet him at the table?